guys, Joe here with the Modern Heathen Man. I want to welcome you all to the podcast today. Today is Odin's Day, or Wednesday, and uh, we're going to say today, Hail Odin, hail you for your wisdom, sir. Hail the All-Father. Hail the man who is the bard. We ask that you grant us your wisdom today in all that we do and help us along our day. Hail Odin. So today I want to talk a little bit about uh, knowledge and how important it is being that it's Odin's day, uh, but specifically about trained Gothar and what training your Gothi should go through. And I mean, most Gothi are elected by their kindred, by them being the most spiritual, the most knowledgeable about uh, Asatru is there. Um, as your kindred sees them and things like that, but what if you visit a kindred and that person's not? I mean, what do you say? What do you do? And how do you become a Gothi? That's that's the big question. You know, you just get a group of friends together and say, hey, I'm the Gothi, and let's do this. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's talk and uh, delve into that and talk about um, what knowledge we would expect of our Gothar um, training people, whether you're male or female, um, what they're supposed to be, and some of the other positions that are in uh, the kindred that are those positions that help us along spiritually and through our lives. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's delve in and we'll get right into it. This is a short introduction and I'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Joe at Modern Heathen Man. How are you all today? Hoping you're having a good and uh, great day. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys about this YouTube channel that I found called Midgard Musings. It's by a man named Jesse and it is incredible. He has new videos uploaded on the channel every Sunday night and he has a live Facebook stream every Sunday at 7pm um, Central Standard Time. Midgard Musings' goal is to help build heathen communities around the world with educational content and laid-back fun manner. He values the historical aspect of this path and uses it to help us grow and develop as heathens in modern times. So if you've been a heathen for a while or just brand new to it, definitely check it out. It's something worthwhile. If you'd like to support Midgard Musings by subscribing to youtube.com forward slash Midgard Musings, following on Facebook and purchasing merchandise from the Teespring and Redbubble stores. Redbubble, say that three times. All of which can be found on the YouTube channel video description. Midgard Musing also offers handmade driftwood rune sets for sale, and the purchase of these items help support the channel. Just to touch base on that a little bit, I actually own one of those rune sets. They are incredibly nice, good feel, wonderful stuff, good power within them. I'm telling you, worthwhile checking out. So please head on over to Midgard Musings, like and subscribe to the channel, and follow on Facebook and on YouTube at facebook.com slash Midgard Musings and youtube.com slash Midgard Musings. M-I-D-G-A-R-D-N-U-S-I-N-G-S will find you that Midgard Musings. Thanks, guys, and have a great day. Hey guys, thanks for listening. I'm back. I apologize about that break. I need to get myself some water. So I'm going to tell you to grab yourself a horn of mead, grab yourself a horn of ale, grab yourself a horn of cider, or just grab yourself a cup of coffee. Come sit down, relax, and let's talk a little bit about 
what we want to talk about, about modern heathenry. So I'm going to start off with about, I want to say 12, 11, 13 years ago, somewhere around that age. Um, I decided to actually start looking into what heathenry was. And um, I went to a class that was offered by my local, I want to say a witch's shop or a cult shop, whatever you want to call it. Um, nice place to go to, really knowledgeable people, really nice people. And I found something in that community that most people look for in, I want to say Christian communities or just communities in general, to be honest with you. I found a camaraderie, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a familiarity, a family. I don't know what you want to call it, but I found that there. I found myself being welcomed in, being treated nicely, being um, treated as if I, you know, was new and needed to learn some stuff. And, you know, basically taken under someone's wing, even though I didn't ask for that. I found myself learning things here and there, you know, asking questions um, and not having to worry about me being a pain when I was asking those questions, even if I asked them more than once, you know. So I started to look into the heathen community and started to see what was available and learn a little bit more about them. And um, If you guys know me at all, you know I read a lot. You know, I wholeheartedly jump into things that I'm learning about. I don't just learn the surface. I learn um, deeply what's going on in that thing. I want to know for sure. I don't just take surface information and run with it. So with that said, I took this class. and I think it was a three-day class, to be honest with you. I think it was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I attended all three. And there was lunch giving and stuff like that. And I learned a lot. You know, I, I, I wasn't really into it until we got into the meat aspect because I made wine and beer and stuff at the time. That really tweaked my curiosity as well. And um, anyway, the, one of the first things I bought was a horn because I was like, oh, if I'm drinking meat and I'm making meat, I got to make it with this horn. You know, this is the right way to drink this meat and this is how we should do this. So I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed that aspect of it. Then I started to read the books and look at the information online about Satru and heathenry and the gods and the Eddas and the sagas. And I became overwhelmed. I thought, wow, this is a lot of information. And one of the things that the gentleman teaching the class said was that Asatru is a religion of learning. And I thought to myself, wow, do I have the time to do all this? I had already devoted a big portion of my life as a young man to learning the Bible. I actually went to um, Bible college and, you know, learned that, got a degree, you know, this, that, and thing. Really, really, really took my time to learn the Bible. I, I knew that book inside and out. I still do know that book inside and out. But the question is, did I have time to devote to this? And at first I said no. So what I said was, I will just start learning a little bit. Let me just learn about what I like and then go from there. And, you know, I learned about the need. I learned about uh, a couple of the rituals and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I got online. I learned that there's other aspects of the Satru, which unfortunately, in my view, were not so pleasing. Um, the, the ones that we, you know, talk about, the hate people. And not all people are hate people. Don't misunderstand me. Some people believe that this is just for them and their posterity, and I understand that. I, I get that. You know, that's their belief system. But then there's those that hate and just hate and want to keep hating. So we wanted to stay away from those, and I thought, oh, no, are people going to think on that one? 
I don't want to be that one. You know, I already shaved my head all the time, so I kind of looked, you know, a little bit of that part, and I was like, all right, well, maybe I don't want to do this. So I kind of got out of it for a little bit, and, but even when I got out of it, I still would lean toward it. I still wore my Molnier pendant that um, I had gotten and stuff like that. So my family then decides that um, it's time to go ahead and move to Utah. And I have a small little Molnier pendant. And we're on our way to Utah. We're driving through Iowa. And lo and behold, in the middle of Iowa, there is a windmill. Just the oddest thing in the world. It was brought over from the old country here. And one of the biggest things there that they sell is the Satru goods and, you know, Norse goods. And my wife saw a beautiful um, bronze Molnir. She got it for me. And I thought, okay, well, my wife says, okay, this is cool, you know. So we continue on our way. And I actually still wear that Molnir today. It's almost um, 11 years old. And I still wear it today. But anyway. That being said, we got to Utah, um, you know, we did our thing for a while, and while I was there, I happened to find an Asatru shop, which was kind of ironic, in the middle of Salt Lake City, it was an Asatru shop, and I got to be friendly with the guy, and we started talking a little bit more about Asatru, and how it's not always those people, it's, you know, other people too, and this is what we believe in, and these are the classes that you can get in, and we would just literally sit and talk. It would take me about an hour to take the bus to where he was. But once I got there, I'd spend, you know, two, three hours there with him talking about Asatru. And I really enjoyed that. Um, it was fun. And it was just that. Um, and he actually got me back into it. He got me to the point where, you know, I was like, okay, let me look at this again. Let me see if this is something I can do. And then, believe it or not, there's about three or four witches' shops in Salt Lake City which are pretty prevalent. The uh, heathen community and the occult community is really prevalent in um, Salt Lake City and, and really not, I don't want to say not frowned upon, but not unaccepted, if you will. They're, they're accepted. They have their festivals, even in Pride Days and stuff there, which are really cool, and they go to local parks and all that. and They're accepted, basically. So with that being said, I, I got back into it, and I continued to be into it, and um, my family... Uh, Moved from there to Florida. But for this time frame, I, I lived in Utah for five years. While I was in Utah for five years, I delved into Asatru and heathenry. I read anything I could possibly read about it. I mean, I learned every aspect of heathenry that you can even shake a stick at. Everything from the giant spiders that Norse believe in to what happens when we actually die and all the different worlds that we go to and... Um, read all the books I possibly could on heathenry and Asatru. Well, when I finished doing that, I said, uh, okay, now what? Now, now what do I do with all this knowledge? And I thought, okay, well, I'll just be, you know, a heathen. It's a solitary um, lifestyle, like most people said it is. It's, you know, you just being doing what you want to do. So I'd spend some time in the woods, and I'd do my little heathen thing, and, you know, wake up in the morning and hail the gods, and, you know, have my own little services and stuff and do my own little bloats by myself. And not even with my family. I didn't even do anything with my family. It's just me doing it myself. Well, I started reading a little bit more and started reading a little bit more. And I thought, you know what? What's keeping heathenry from the modern age? I mean, this is a really good traditional um, religion with great tenets. I mean, we 
we treat each other nicely and we do this, we do that. And one of the greatest drawing aspects for me of heathenry was that we do not have a devil. You know, like Christian friends, they, they have problems, they do things and, you know, right away they want to blame the devil for it. Oh, the devil, you know, he tempted me to do this or, you know, this is the devil trying to do this or, you know, he's whispering in my ear, trying to get me to sin, all those things. And I think to myself, in a true, there is no devil. We act the way we act because we choose to do so. We treat each other with kindness, respect, and love, not because it's expected of us or it's demanded of us, but because we're supposed to. That's just how humans treat other humans. We honor each other. We honor our dead. We honor our living. We honor our warriors. We build each other up instead of tearing each other down. You know, you don't hear at some bolts and bloats everything you're doing wrong. What you hear is what you're doing right. And we can focus on those and build upon those and continue to do more right. I find that this religion is more of a religion of building up than it is tearing down. And, you know, if I say that and offend some people, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not meaning it to be offensive. I'm meaning it to be realistic. I mean, the last time I was in church, I had to hear about how the pastor, you know, was sitting and this, that, other thing, and he didn't devote enough of this, and he didn't give enough of that, and the bishop was this, and, you know, the, the elders' quorum president was that. And it's just so much of tearing yourself down to try to be something that you're not instead of building you up to make you what you want to be. I, I don't understand why that's allowed or why people keep putting up with that. But that being said, that's what I found in heathenry. Now, the question you have to ask yourself and ask yourself now is what do we do with all that knowledge once we have it? Where, you know, at this point in my life, I'm going, wow, I, I don't like what I'm in. I don't know where to go with what I'm doing. I learned to have all this knowledge and I want to do this, but I don't know where to do that. So when I come back after the break here, we'll talk a little bit about that and um, the next steps that I took and how we went from there. So I'll be right back, guys. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, Joe here from Modern Heathen, man. I wanted to tell you about this great new place that I found. It's a really safe place for heathens of all walks. Um, it's called the International Satra Foundation. They have their own social network platform called the Roots of Yggdrasil. And the International Satra Foundation is an organization that is dedicated to the preservation, growth, and advancement of Germanic paganism. They build networks, share knowledge, and gather in pursuit of common goals. As an organization, they operate at the kindred level and encourage you to explore and ask questions throughout that time frame. Their vision is easy. It's heathens from every walk of life working together for a common goal, the reveal and continued practice of Germanic paganism for everyone worldwide. The things that they're doing are really exciting. They strive to help you understand heathenry better and the different paths of heathenry and Germanic paganism. They educate the public about the faith 
They gather to share knowledge, build reputable resources for learning, and work towards common goals set by the community itself. They're working on starting a whole school program to make very good educated Gothi, and working on a program specifically for our warriors. Everyone is free to walk their paths as he or she wills, but I'm telling you, this is the greatest place to go. It's a safe haven for heathens. If you're tired of all that Facebook banter and getting banned and going to Facebook jail all the time, they have their own social media network where you're safe to talk about heathenry all day long with other heathens. They're really specific on who they let in there, and it's only heathens talking with heathens. That's all there is to it. So go ahead and check it out. Their address is asatru.org with the real spelling with the hashtags above the A and the U. So make sure to go ahead and check them out, and uh, hopefully we'll see you join there, the International Satru Foundation. Thanks, guys. Okay, guys, I'm back. Thanks for listening to those um, people that helped me keep my podcast running. Those are great guys and gals, and they uh, they do what they have to. They're heathens helping heathens, and that's what heathenry is all about, in all honesty, at this point, especially modern heathenry. Um, all those sponsors are people that have you know been tried and true in heathenry, and I know personally, so definitely if you get a chance to visit them, check their stuff out. And go from there. Anyway, guys, let's talk about what I did then. So, in Utah, we decided that it was time to leave Utah and Florida. I was a beekeeper at the time. And I was losing about uh, 60% of my hives each year to the winter. Um, after about five years of that, I thought, wow, you know, I, I got to move someplace warmer that I'm not going to lose my bees over the winter. Because it was costing, you know, $125 for each beehive to replace the bees in there. So, you know, if you're losing 60%, I had 14 hives, 60% of 14 hives, at least six hives, you know, so now I'm at 600 and some dollars per year. And it was um, really cutting into profits of honey, to be honest with you. Anyway, with that said, moved from there to Florida, uh, bought an RV, moved down there, took some bees and some stuff with me, had a trailer the whole nine, got there, started some beehives up, um, was really hard for us to find a place to live there. Uh, we moved to a place called Avon Park, and unfortunately, that place is mostly um, for the elderly, to be honest with you. Um, orange grows all around, and um, when I say it's for the elderly, I mean, there's a lot of housing communities there that you can buy really cheap homes at, but you got to be 45 and over, 55 and over, 65 and over, and of course, no children. So it made it really hard to find a place to live. Um, we survived there for two years, lived the first year in an RV, second year. Um, we rented a, a house from a gentleman that ended up not working out. So we decided it was time to go there. So my next best option was to come here to Alabama. Um, moved to Alabama almost three years ago. So, But when I was in Florida, my, my mind was kept up with heathenry and modern heathenry and Unfortunately, we lived in the Bible Belt. It was really hard to find other heathens there. There wasn't many occult shops. There wasn't many New Age shops. So, again, you were left on your own devices, um, becoming a solitary heathen. Um, little town, not much there. So, you know, for two years, again, I just studied. Just kept studying and studying and studying, learning about this, learning about that. Try to become more and more of a heathen. Um. Once we moved to Alabama, 
Um, I just continued my studies, continued doing what I was doing. And one day my wife came to me and said, hey, there is a pagan meetup in Enterprise. And I was like, really? An Enterprise isn't that far away from us. So we decided to go ahead and check it out. So we went to a pagan meetup and met some people there. And they're like, well, what are you? I was like, well, I'm in the Osatru. And they're like, oh, yeah, there's a couple guys in the Osatru. Nobody really does that around here and some other stuff. So we started talking with them. We got together with them and um, said, hey, let's start a kindred. So they went through and, you know, I was the most knowledgeable person there of Asatru. And they, you know, they kind of elected me to go these. So I went ahead and I formed up uh, bylaws and some other stuff. And the reason I did this was in all this time I was learning about heathenry and modern heathenry specifically. I feel that the biggest problem in modern heathenry is a non-existent idea of unification. In the sense that when you go to a Catholic church and you go through a Catholic service, you see something, right? And then you go to another Catholic church and you go through their Catholic service. A few things may change, but for the most part, it's the same. And then if you go to another Catholic church, you can do the same thing. It continues to be almost the same throughout. So they have a unified doctrine of how they do things and how things happen. Um, Asatru being a little different can't have a unified doctrine of how they do things. But what we can do is we can organize enough that we can call ourselves an actual organization or a religious organization, per se, devoted to specifically Asatru or heathenry. So we're then afforded the same protections that churches are afforded. And in doing that, we become more and more viable. Now, the next piece that's missing, I will say, is an educated Godar program. So, like, if you want to become a Catholic reverend, you go ahead and you go to their seminary. If you want to become an Episcopalian reverend, you go ahead to their seminary. If you want to become a reverend of the, I don't know, Methodist church, you go ahead and go to their seminary, and you get ordained through their seminary, and you learn their classes and their things, and you become ordained through them, saying you have all the knowledge you need to be that. Okay, you get a little slip of paper, and you put it on your wall and say, hey, look how good I did. Okay, they're accredited, and they're recognized, and everything else. Now, unfortunately, because our religion is not unified, and our religion is not set to that, we don't have that at this point. Um, there are a few places that are looking to create that. One is called the International Satri Foundation. Um, they're trying to make a wonderful Gothi training program that will train Gothar up and let them still have their uniqueness like you will find in the Catholic Church, but that follow a basic pattern. Um, laid out, not not saying we're going to show you how to do the blows, we're not showing they're going to show you how to do the blows, but in the sense that we're sure they're educated in heathenry as much as they can be. So, with that said, so those two pieces that are missing stand us out a bit, and this is where the militaries had problems with recognizing us as a religion, the world is a problem recognizing us as a religion because we don't have those little pieces that they expect and unfortunately we come from a world that requires paperwork and bylaws and this and that and anything to prove that you're a viable place 
So we as heathens need to begin to understand that making up bylaws, making up um, corporate bylaws and things of that nature for religious organizations is not something that's bad. We're not saying we're taking you out of the woods or taking you out of doing your heathenry the way you have to do it. What we're saying is we have to unify and begin to make paperwork that makes us look like, sound like, and almost act like an organization rather than just a bunch of people running around doing what they want to do. Not that that's bad. That's just not how they view organizations. Um, So with that said, I'm not trying to say anybody's wrong in the way that they do things. Don't misunderstand me at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that in the modern age, if we do not unify and we do not streamline what heathenry is or asatru is, we're going to have a problem being recognized here and into the future as a viable religious organization in America. That's what I'm trying to say. So, with that said, the next part is trained Godar. So, I found a a place here called the Asatru Community Incorporated, and I took their Godi course. There was uh, some questions and answers, stuff like that, and I answered them. I took some videos of me doing uh, my services, and I became ordained through them, and I have that ordination certificate hanging on my wall. But that's as good as that is, that's not the full training that you need. Um, to be a Godi today is kind of strange because people do not even understand what being a Godi is, or a Godar, or a Gidea, or anything like that, or a Volva, or a Seether, or any of those pieces. I mean, there are some people who do, but not too many people do, I should say it that way. So we have to delve into what an actual... Gothar does and how that Gothar works within the body of the Asatri community or within the kindred itself. Um, We have to go over some of the things that they're supposed to do, some of the things they're not supposed to do, some of the things they're supposed to hear, and some of the things they're not supposed to hear. And where you fit into all of that and how you as a member of the kindred or as the Gothar themselves can fit into that kindred as well. So we're going to take a break here for a few moments, um, and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about that. This one may go a little bit longer than normal, so I just want to let you all know that. So um, when I come back, grab yourself a refill of coffee or meat or cider or ale, whatever you want. Um, Sit down, relax, and get comfortable, and let's talk a little bit about what's expected of our Gothars, what they do, what they don't do, what they should do, what they shouldn't do in modern heathenry. Anyway, I'll be right back, guys. Thanks for listening. I'll see you in a moment. Hey, guys. Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. How are you guys tonight? I hope I'm meeting you well. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, while I'm out traveling, it's not always feasible to carry my whole big altar box with me. So sometimes I like a little something in my pocket. And I found a great place to get that from. That's Odin's Beard Woodworking. Great little place out there. Makes small little pocket altars for you with candles and um, gods and everything in them. Little sayings and such. Wonderful work that this man does. Carves everything by hand. He has a couple things going on here. 
He has little pocket altars that I'm talking about for $25. He has small DD poles of 5 to 6 inches for $40. 7 to 8 inches for $45. 9 to 10 for $50. And 11 to 12 for $60. He has 26 different deities to choose from and more coming every day. Your choices right now are Odin, Thor, Tyr, Loki, Freyr, Balder, Bragi, Hemdall, Njord, Fenrir, Ullr, Vidar, Hermod, Hel, Freya, Ostri, Skadi, Sif, Er, Frigg, Var, Thrud, Idun, Sigun, Ran, and Yord. That's a lot of different gods to choose from. So he can meet anybody's needs. Tell him what you want. You can go ahead and find him at www.odin's beardwoodworking.com he also has a Facebook page and I know he does some stuff live every once in a while that you can actually watch him carve those things anyway give him a good uh, look see there and see if he has something that you can use I guarantee his little pocket ultras will come in handy for you so anyway thanks guys have a great night bye bye Okay, guys, I'm back. Thanks for uh, listening to those promos. I appreciate that. Okay, so once again, we're going to be talking about what a Gothar is and is not. Okay? Let's talk first about what a Gothar is not. First, a Gothar is not a reverend. A Gothar does not listen to sins or things you've done wrong, and he's not able to absolve you of those. A Gothar is not a person with all the answers. It may seem like that, but that's not the case. A Gothar is not a person who is above anybody else. And above all, a Gothar is not superior in anything in any way, shape, or form. Now, with that said, I will say this. Today, a lot of people come to Gothars asking questions, seeking answers. And all too often, the Gothar just gives the answer that they believe to be right. And when I say this, I'm not saying you're not a true Gothar. Don't misunderstand me, but true Gothars do not have the answers. A true Gothar is there to help you find your answer. Because as I said before, my answer for me is different than your answer for you. Not all answers are the same. Even with the same question being asked, the answers are different. So, a lot of times I will get somebody that asks me a question like, um, hey, I'm going to be changing jobs. Um, do you think I should change jobs? You know, what do the gods say about that? Or what do the gods say about, you know, me changing jobs? Can you can you do a rune reading? Can you do this? Can you do that for me? My first question to them usually is, have you meditated on it? If they say no, I'll say, well, then I, I suggest you meditate on it a bit. I suggest you seek your ancestors' knowledge on whether or not you need to change jobs at this time. I suggest you venerate to... Um, some of the gods, whoever you believe is favorable for that position or can help you with that position. And then come back to me and tell me what, you know, happened, you know, and then we'll do a rune reading for you. And they, they usually look at me like I'm crazy, like, why, like, why can't you just give me the answer? Why can't you just do a rune reading for me? 
Well, because a Gothar, let me think of a way to explain a Gothar the best way I can. Ah. When I was a young man, one of my favorite places to visit in Pennsylvania was Gettysburg. I was enamored by the Civil War. I love the idea of our country battling itself, but treating each other with respect. Um, it was a bloody, horrible, horrible war, but it solidified us as a nation, made us more resilient, and after that, we were unbeatable. Okay? So, my first time going to Gettysburg, um, I took a tour bus. And it was great, and we stopped at the, the museum, and we picked up a park ranger tour guide. And the driver drove the route that the park ranger told him to drive. Well, when we stopped at places, the man talking to us was able to bring the battle that happened there to life with his words. Like, he would tell us, you know, the air was thick with smoke and smelled of sulfur and burnt pepper. And your ears were ringing from the deafening sound of the cannons blowing off on the hill above you. The water being splashed and the cannon can be heard sizzling as they cooled it down and loaded in the next round. And you could hear men yelling from behind but couldn't tell what they were saying because your ears were ringing too loud from the blast. And the next thing you knew, you saw a flicker ahead of you through the smoke and you knew that the enemy was coming through the line. And as quick as you could see them, you heard a barrage of bullets go off. But it was muffled because of your ears ringing from the cannons. That brought that to life for me. I could smell that sulfur, sulfur and pepper. I could hear my ears ringing. I know the muffle love sounded like something was over your ear, but you can't quite hear right. And that brought that battle to life for me. Now, was that man there? No, that's impossible because he was only about 25 years old, and this was in like 1980 or 1990, so there's no way that he was there. But he knew enough and understood enough information that he could bring that battle to life for me. So the job of the Gothar is a tour guide just like him to bring your ancestors and the gods alive for you through their description of what you have to do. And I know that sounds a little simple, but that's honestly all that a Gothar should be doing. A Gothar should know a few things about um, crisis intervention, about helping people through some other stuff. And there are some things that you will hear as a Gothar that should remain with you and not go anyplace else, maybe to your um, kindred board, but never any farther than that. And it shouldn't be delved out as gossip and it shouldn't be delved out as, you know, oh, you got to hear this. That's not how that works. So, you do need to keep things secret sometimes and for good reason. Even my wife doesn't know some things I know as a goatee for our kindred. So the other thing to go there does is prepare the holy days for everyone, reminds everybody of what those holy days are, tells the stories of those holy days and um, helps the kindred move forward. There are a few other, um, Piece of the kindred that helped the Gothar do his job or her job. That would be the rune master, the person in charge of reading the runes and 
developing out information to those people. The Dryden, who's in charge with protection of the kindred, or the shield maiden, who's entitled with protection of the kindred. The Valkyrie, who takes the horn around during the services and gives everyone the mead. The Volva, who was basically the, uh, I want to say witch doctor, but that's not what I mean, if you know what I'm saying, of the actual kindred. The Seether, who um, does almost what the Volva does, but a little bit differently. And the Skald, who keeps a record of it all, or is the old-time storyteller for the children. So these are the positions that you have within your organization. And when I say organization, that's what I mean, organization, your kindred. What you have to do is lay down on paper what those people should be doing in their jobs. You should have a thing for taking on members. You should have a thing for removing members that are improper or not doing what they need to do or just acting strange and things of that nature because that, unfortunately, is part of our world. Um, you should have something that says, you know, whether you take money from people or not. Like, my kindred is absolutely free. We do everything free. Um, whenever we have parties and stuff, everybody brings food along and drinks and some other stuff. And that's just the way it is. That's how we are. So um, with that said, that's what the modern age requires of a kindred. Um, even to, you know, rent places and stuff like that for your kindred to go meet. If you're not an organization or religious organization, it's going to cost some money, and everybody's going to have to pull in for that. Sometimes religious organizations can get um, parks for free and um, you know buildings for free to borrow and use for religious services and stuff like that. But I mean, without that organization, you can't do that. I mean, it's I know it sounds really weird that we have the freedom of religion in America, but it requires organization. It's just where we live. It's just how we have to do things to move into the modern age with heathenry. Now, you might ask yourself, why does a kindred need a trained Godar? Can't they just get training on the way? Well, they can get training on the way, but when, you're, when your kindred hits its first speed bump, it's going to be a rough one if you don't have a trained Gothar to take that helm, take that wheel and move forward. Um, my kindred's gone through a couple speed bumps and without getting into what they are because I'm not allowed to. Um, they're just a couple speed bumps that we've hit. And um, I'm thankful for all the members of my kindred that have helped me through those, the Drytons, the Rune Masters, the Volva, the Seether, the Scald, the Kindred Mother, the Valkyrie, you know, all, all those positions help me through as the villain. Um, there's another position called the Chieftain, um, if you so want that position as well. That's the head of all who makes sure everything gets done. He's like the president of the board. So if you want that, you can have that. If you don't, you don't have to. And you don't have to have any of these um, names if you don't want to, but I do recommend you get on there and start finding yourself a kindred or start your own kindred. And you may ask, well, how do I start my own kindred? Well, in all honesty, it's really simple. Either get a meetup or start a group on Facebook of local people that want something. So like mine is, um, let's say I lived in Oklahoma. So I would do something like the Oklahoma heathen gathering spot. Okay, and I start that as a group on uh, Facebook, start getting out there to people and all the 
the other groups that are out like uh, Pagans of the Path and um, things of that nature that are, you know, heathen run groups and say, hey, listen, I'm here. You know, I want to start a group. Is anybody willing to start with me? And even if you just have four people at first, that's the beginning of a kindred. I mean, that, that right there is it. So you get together, you start your stuff, you do your bylaws, and people will come. I mean, if you're a kindred that continually runs and does stuff, I mean, we're going on our second year here, a little bit more maybe, and uh, it's working out really well here for us. We've been running for, like I said, for that long, and we do all the holidays. And, yeah, we have our little ups and downs, and we have our slow time and our fast time and stuff like that. But for the most part, we're continually running kindred, and it's fun. Um. But like anything, we have our, you know, growing pangs and stuff like that, and it'll be what it is. So just get ready for those, and that's where Train Godar comes in place. So as modern heathens, we need to, you know, not I won't say unify because it's almost like a call to a revolution, but that's not what I mean. I mean, we need to understand that we need to put things in the place that make us look like we're unified. Um organized and a running system and program so that when people look at us, they think we're viable. Um, that's, I mean, we talked about that for this whole um, half hour, mostly. So with that said, I'm going to let you guys go um, tell you guys to have a great day tomorrow. I think I'm going to talk a little bit more about um, things on the altar specifically so like what you want in your altar and uh, we'll talk about each piece and what it means and go from there. So I look forward to talking tomorrow guys and have a great day. I want to hail you for listening. And I want to hail you for taking the time to uh, listen to this and share this podcast. If you know people that would enjoy this podcast, go ahead and uh, share it with them. Let them um, enjoy it with you or just play it for your friends where you're there and, you know, tell them where to find it. Anyway, thanks guys. And have a great day. Mm-hmm.